So why don't you open your Bibles or your Bible apps or whatever to the book of Acts. And uh, yeah, that's good. We are in this series called The Spirit-Filled Church. We have two big goals, two big goals. Our first one is we want to learn what this meant so that we can live what this means. Say live what this means with him again, will you? Live what this means. Now this morning, we're going to be reading a larger swath of scripture, Acts 13, from verse 13 all the way to verse 52. So it's going to take a little bit of time. We're going to spend, spend a little bit more time actually just reading through portions of Scripture and then reflecting on them as we go. But I, want, I kind of want to give you a heads up as to what's happening because it'll help keep things in context. and It'll help keep our big idea in mind today. So in this, this morning, what we're going to see is that Paul and Barnabas are going to continue their mission. They're going to leave the island of Cyprus And they're going to sail into what is now modern Turkey. And they're going to eventually arrive at a place called Pisidian Antioch. Now, you might say, I thought they left Antioch. Well, they did. See, after Alexander the Great uh, passed away and 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 his four generals split up all the territory, what happened is one of them named 13 cities after his dad, Antichius. So there's there's a whole bunch of Antiochs, kind of like Springfield. So, you know, it's not, ooh, like, like there's only one, there's spring, I think there's a Springfield in every state or something, but, uh, so it, they, but so this, this is like, they were in Springfield, Missouri, now they're in Springfield, Oregon, okay? Now, then what we're going to hear is that Luke is going to record for us, uh, for the first time in our ears as readers of Acts, he's going to record for us one of Paul's sermons. So this is the first time we're going to hear Paul preach. Woo! Yeah. And that, now you might think, now to you, that might not be a big deal, but it's a big deal to the, to the readers because so far he was just Saul. And then, spoiler alert, we found out he's the Apostle Paul. What? And now we're actually going to hear what he has to say. We're going to hear him proclaim the gospel, which is going to be really exciting. All right. So here's what the deal is. We're going to hear, here's the contest. Here's the basic thrust of Paul's messages. They, they consist of God's promise of Messiah and then God's fulfillment of Messiah. And then a call for the hearers to respond in a trusting obedience to the message of God. This is going to set up for us uh, uh, a template of how Paul will always approach wherever he goes. It'll set up his basic message and what the, the response that we hear today is pretty typical of the kinds of responses that Paul will get. So, but beyond just being informative and being interesting and helping us appreciate our Bibles better, as we read this today, here's what the, the, the message I hope resonates in our hearts together. That regardless of how things change, regardless of the challenges that we face, regardless even of uh, the, the, the outcome of our message, I hope that we, as the Spirit-filled church, will stay on message. Would you all say, stay on message? All right, let's pick it up at verse 13, and we'll read a little bit, and then we'll reflect on each section as we go. Verses 13 through 15 read like this. From Paphos, Paul and his companions, companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them. What? Thank you. Where John left them. I thought John was their helper. Remember we read a couple of weeks ago, and John was their helper. Well, now he left. He left them to return to Jerusalem. 
And from Perga, they went to Pisidian Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. It was important that I read it that way for emphasis. So Paul and Barney, they leave and they set sail to what is now central Turkey. And then we read that John Mark leaves. Now, we're going to call him John Mark, but that's that's Mark. That's the guy who wrote the gospel of Mark. John Mark leaves. And there are historians, scholars, commentators give us lot like to like to give us lots of reasons why Mark left. Some will say, well, uh, you know, Mark was young and uh, the journey was rough. The journey was long and uh, he and Mark, you know, Mark needed to go home. Well, they just got started. So far, they have it was so far. They just had success, right? Others say <laughs> that uh, you remember that up until now, it was Paul. I mean, it was it was Barnabas and Saul. But now the story has shifted to Paul and Barnabas. Now, you know, John Mark. That's Barney's nephew. So some say that John Mark got a little irritated that Uncle Barney is no longer pole position. Some say, oh, oh, oh you know, that John Mark, he just got grumpy. Others just say, uh, you know, he didn't like, he didn't much care for Paul's ministry. I mean, they just make stuff up. The point is, does Luke tell us why John left? Nope. All we know is this. He started with them, but he did not finish with them. And here's the thing, friends. People may start with you and not finish with you. People actually may quit on you. But you stay on message. Then they travel. And Luke, I mean, Luke just tells us. <laughs> then they went on to Pisidian Antioch. What he doesn't mention, but his audience would have known, is that that was actually a 100-mile journey through the Taurus mountain range. And they went on foot 100 miles through a mountain range. Think like Lord of the Rings, right? They were 100 miles there are traveling through this mountain range. So, and it's an arduous and dangerous journey. It's arduous and it's, it's, it's difficult to do. And it's dangerous because this would have been, there would have been no law, no order. It would not have been a safe journey for them. There could have been bandits out there. There was all kinds of threats. But here's the deal. Our journey may be rough at times, but we stay on message. Then they arrive at Antioch. When they get there, they go to the synagogue and they read the law and the prophets. And after they read, they send word to them and they say this. Do you guys have a word of exhortation? The NIV, that word exhortation is the same word as, do you have a word of encouragement? It's actually the same word as, do you have a word of comfort? Do you have anything to say that is going to leave our hearts better than how we got here? If you've got something to say, would you please say it? This is what people need. People need an encouraging word. They need a healing word. They need a hope-filled word. They need a word that will bring their hearts comfort and strength and hope. And they need truth. Not just tickles. If they wanted just tickles, they could go watch the 17th and a half Marvel movie. But they'll go there, they'll chuckle, they'll say, wow, and they'll leave the same way they came. But that's not what they need. What they need is a word that's going to make a difference in their heart. 
So stay on message. Verse 16 through 22. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Now, I'm going to emphasize some words here that I hope you'll pick up and carry along with me. The God of our, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king and testified concerning him. I have found David... Son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Wow. In, that, in those couple of paragraphs, we have Paul's condensed history of Israel. And what we, I mean, he doesn't mention Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will later, but he just starts with, when he, as far as the patriarchs, he said they chose our ancestors. He went from chose our ancestors to prospering in Egypt. <laughs> That's a faith view of Egypt. He made them prosper in Egypt. Then he delivered them. Then he endured their conduct. Listen, if you, if you, if you, we read through that in the words that I emphasized, the whole of that story of Israel's history and the story of redemption emphasizes God's activity on behalf of his people. With the lens of faith, we look backward and we say that it was God who was acting and we who are responding. He doesn't look back and tell the story and tell about sometimes how we tell it. You know, this person did great things and this person did great. Starring Abraham, starring Joseph. Boy, you won't believe how awesome that guy was. The lens of faith looks backwards and says, you know what? I know there were people that made hard decisions. And I know things, 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 you know, we had to decide and things we had to do. But what we recognize as we look back that our history, our story, our message is always about what God has done. And what God is doing and what God will do. God acts, we respond. He's the mover, he's the redeemer. All the main verbs are God's. He acts and we respond. It is God's activity that is our message. So stay on message. Verse 22 through 33, Paul continues. He said, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus just as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus... John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I'm not the one you're looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and all you God-fearing Gentiles. Gentiles. I always say Gentiles. Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers didn't recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, They fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. 
And for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. Now they're his witnesses. And we tell you this good news. What God has promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled. For us, their children by raising up Jesus. As is written in the second psalm, you are my son. Today I have become your father. You know, this, this passage, verse 32, kind of ends it. And, uh, and uh, uh, verse uh, 23 begins it. It says, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, just as he promised. Verse 32, what God promised our ancestors he has fulfilled what god has promised he has fulfilled you want to help me say that out loud what god has promised he has fulfilled he is a promise keeping god he is a promise keeping god he promised a savior and he brought him he promised that savior would die for us and he did he promised that savior would rise again and he did and he promised that savior is coming back And he will. He promised that we too would rise. And we will. He promised that we would be with him forever. And we will. It is God's faithfulness to his own promises. That inspires our faithfulness to him and to his word. Because God is a promise keeping God. We stay on message. Verses 34 through 37. God raised him from the dead. Say it again. Boy, that was horrible. Sorry, online audience, for what you just heard. Somebody say, God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now, David, he served God's purpose in his own generation. He fell asleep. He buried, he decayed, but the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Friends, our main claim is that God raised Jesus from the dead. He is risen. Yeah, you guys have come to services before, you're catching up. Listen, I say he is risen and you said hallelujah, amen. Those are great responses. That's good. But let's try it again. He is risen. That was all right. Let's try it one more time. He is risen. He is risen hey, hey, Dr. Dab, that's for Easter. <laughs> hey, that's Easter. You know what? That is not an, a holiday slogan. I mean, if you said Merry Christmas today, I think you're a nut job. But there is, no, there is not one day, not one hour, not one minute that it is inappropriate to say he is risen. He is risen indeed. It's not a slogan. It's our message. It's our hope. It's our everything. He is risen. Death has been defeated. The grave has been denied. The curse of sin is broken. Because he lives, we too shall live. And because he lives, we stay on message. Therefore, verse 38 says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Since we're talking about staying on message, let's take a minute and make sure that our message is right. Let's get our message right. Let's get our message right. Number one, 
Through Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. You are not forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. To be forgiven means to be cut off, sent away, forgotten forever. Anybody here want to be cut off, sent away, and forgotten forever? No, but your sins have been. Through Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. How many sins is there, is there forgiveness of? Uh, all of them? Are you sure all of them? What about the really big one? There is forgiveness of some sin. There's forgiveness of just the little ones. Is there forgiveness of the sins that we've just sort of grown used to? Yeah, there's forgiveness of all of them. Every sin can be cut off, cleansed, forgiven. What about the ones you're really embarrassed about? What about the ones you've been carrying around too long in your shame backpack? All sin is forgiven through the name of Jesus. Can you imagine living free from all shame, from all guilt, from all weight? From all sin, from every memory of sin behind you, forgiven. 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 But then he also says this. Through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Through Jesus. Now this is, come on, evangelical church. You take a deep breath. Wake up a little bit. Check this out. Through Jesus, everyone who believes is what? Set free. Not only is there forgiveness from sin, there's freedom from it. Set free from how much sin? Oh, my word there. Set free from every sin. What about, again, what about the ones that are really hard? How come, how come folks have gotten used to it? I can feel it in the room right now. If you ever go, wait, tilt, 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 processing, the last paperback, the last blog post, the last Christian song on the radio told me that life, that life sucks, life is hard, I'm going to keep sinning, but don't worry, someday I'll die and get over it. You're going to, you're just, oh, I'm just, ah, whoa, whoa, it's me, marijuana song, I'm just a sinner, save my grace, boy, I'm going to keep sinning, but don't worry, God, still, I'm just, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven, I'm still, look, if you keep believing that sin has power over your life, then you're going to sin by faith. But, but Paul said, through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. You realize that sin has no power in your life. You've been forgiven from it and set free from it. There is power in the name of Jesus. This is really good news. This is why people said, what? Are you kidding me? Yes, you can be forgiven from sin and set free from it in the mighty name of Jesus. And then he said, listen, he said, listen, no one else, nothing else, not the law of Moses, not the law of Mormon, not the law of anybody else. What's his doodle over there in the east, whatever? There isn't any other name, any other way, any other program, any other book, any other idea, any other philosophy that is, gonna, that is going to forgive you and set you free but the name of Jesus. So for that sake, friends, we must stay on message. Then verse 40, he continues before we think we just pack it up. He says, take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if someone told you. Now, what Paul is doing here, he's actually warning his audience that this news is too good to ignore. Quoting Habakkuk 1.5, 
He is saying, he is, Paul is giving his audience a warning of judgment for anyone who ignores or rejects the message of Christ. Our message is too good and the consequences of, of ignoring it are too great for you and I to get off message. So stay on message. Verse 42, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about the things on the next Sabbath. Isn't that nice to be invited back? When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Can we just enlarge our expectometer a little bit? Just powerful enough that in one week it can gather a whole city. This is powerful. If we'll get this message, if we'll embrace the full power of it. Forgiveness from every sin and freedom from all of it in the name of Jesus. Wow. But, verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. They didn't like that their church was bigger than their church. <laughs> no, everybody's going to that other church. And he said, they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I made you a light for the Gentiles that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. And they honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Friends, you may get abuse. You may get abuse heaped on you. But stay on message. And if people reject your message, stay on message. So it's that last line that got my attention. Those that are, were appointed for eternal life believe. See, there's two things happening in that sentence. Things were happening to people passively, and people were doing something actively. And there is this partnership in salvation, not that by we partner to save ourselves. Not in any way. God initiates and we respond. All who were appointed. That tells us that God is seeking and looking and reaching and calling. And God sees people differently than we see them. He sees them when they're trapped behind enemy lines. He, see them, he sees them in their brokenness and in their lostness. He sees them with their furrowed eyebrows and angry faces, rejecting all the things that are true. But he sees them and he calls them. And everyone who was, and then the scripture says that, that those who were appointed, those who could feel, those who, who's the spirit of God, God could get a hold of their lives. They chose to believe. Listen, friends, God initiates and we respond. God calls and we answer. And when it comes to your, the message, friends, you don't know what, what's happening in the hearts of people. You don't know whose lives God is awakening. You don't know who is being stirred and awakened by the Holy Spirit. And that's not your job to know. Your job is to stay on message. Now, you might ask this morning, hey, wow, those who are appointed believe. How do I know if I'm appointed? Believe. Believe. 
believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Congratulations, you are appointed for eternal life. Stay on message. Verse 49, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. I love that, friends. It spread through the whole region. Paul and Barnabas hadn't left Antioch. Not yet. They're still, they're still, they're still, two, that's two weeks. Two Sabbaths in the synagogue. And now the word is spreading through the whole region. Listen, this message is contagious. If you let it out, it'll get out. But the Jewish leaders, verse 50, but the Jewish leaders incited God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they expelled them from their region. They didn't just kick them out of church, not even out of the neighborhood, from the region. They got the boot. Get out. We don't want you. We don't want your message. You're ugly, and you don't smell good, and get out. Get out. And so Paul and Barnabas, they were sad, and they, 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 they called relatives. They put on Twitter, hashtag rejected. Yeah, they did a live video. Hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys, we're having a hard time. Hey, you know, and they, they, are, they're, they got all the sympathy from their, they got all the hashtag sympathy from their friends and. And then after that, they just needed some me time. (laughs) Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on. Verse 51 doesn't say that. Here it is. Uh, So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. What happens when our message is rejected and then we too are rejected because of our message? What do we do? Someone say, shake it off. <laughs> my mama says, get a move on. That's funny. I heard her say that. And the reason why, because it struck my psyche. I've been hearing that for 50 years. Get a move on. Um, uh, she's, what happens when we're rejected, when it goes bad and they tell us that we're ugly and smell bad and get out of here? What, they, what happens? What do we do? What happens when you get hurt and you get abused and you get rejected and you get beat up and people are mean to you? What are you going to do? Here's, here's what you don't do. Here's what they did not do. They did not gather up the dust of Pisidian Antioch, roll it around in their palm and stick it in a little, a little, little locket and wear it around their neck to remember, I'm going to keep this dust. I'm going to keep the dust of my disappointment with me. I'm going to keep the dust of my pain and wear it around like jewelry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the dust of this disappointment. And, and, and Paul and Barnabas, then what they actually did is they, 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 they held it in their hands. And they walked down the dust from the city and they shared it. One guy would talk about how bad his experience was and he'd pour that dust into his friend's hand. And then he said, oh, yeah, you don't know how you don't have as bad as I do. And he talked about how bad it was. And then he poured the dust. They didn't commiserate. They didn't rehearse the dust. They didn't rehearse the dust. They didn't go tell other people about the dust so that they could get on their side and be mad at the people of Pisidian Antioch. They didn't keep the memory of that dust with them into every new experience they went, poisoning their hearts, jaundicing their eyes, bittering their mouths, gathering chips upon their shoulders. They shook it off. 
What do you do? You shake it off and stay on message. Someone say, shake it off. Do not carry the dust of disappointment and pain and heartache or rejection or abuse with you into the next thing. You are under no obligation to carry that dust with you. That dust doesn't have any right to you. Just shake it off and go on to the next thing. Shake it off and stay on message. I know, friends. I know it. Listen, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be crude. Uh, I won't then. Um, uh, I just heard that. Well, you don't have to be. Well, then don't. Uh, uh, I know it can be hard and painful and gross to be hurt and to feel rejected and have negative experiences. But what's, what's profoundly worse is to pack those experiences up and to take them with you wherever you go. Shake them off. Leave them there. Stay on message. Verse 52 closes like this. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy. They were being filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This episode is kind of the end of chapter 1. There's more chapters of mission to come. But there's kind of, it kind of creates bookends for us in this story. What began in Acts 13 in the first three verses as people gathering and just enjoying God's presence with no other agenda. Just being in the presence of God, just ministering to the Lord, honoring His name. And in that place, the church, the Holy Spirit stirred His church and sent people out on mission with a message. And now they've gone from place to place and shared that message and there's been different kinds of responses. Some have believed, some have rejected. But as they, as this, as it lands, as they conclude that part, they return to the very same place that they started. They are filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Because why do we stay on message because it's all about worship it's all about work what begins in worship results in worship worship is the catalyst for our message and it is the goal of our message we want everyone to know and love and honor and experience the power of the name of Jesus. In his name, there is forgiveness for your sin. In his name, there is freedom from every sin. Friends, if you're here this morning and you need forgiveness or freedom, they are both yours in the name of Jesus. Call on his name today. It's not going to be my name. It's not going to be your neighbor's name. Nobody else's name is going to help you. But there is a name. There is a name. There is a name where you will find forgiveness of sin and freedom from all of it. Let's stand together. If you need freedom or forgiveness, friend, right now this morning, would you begin to call on the name of Jesus? Something that might sound like this. 
Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin and set me free from it. He's not looking for the right words, for magic words, for incantations. He's looking for your faith. He's just looking for you to believe. He's just looking for you to believe. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin and set me free from all of it today. His name is exalted far above the earth. His name is high above the heavens. His name is exalted far above the earth. Give glory and honor and praise unto his name no other name but the name of jesus no other name but the name of the lord no other name but the name of jesus is worthy of glory and worthy of honor and worthy of power and all praise. No other name but the name of Jesus. No other name but the name of the Lord. No other name but the name of Jesus is worthy of glory and worthy of all. He's worthy of glory and worthy of glory and worthy of He's worthy of glory He's worthy of glory and Bless the mighty name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Friends, the Lord bless you. Stay on message. Go in his name. If you'd like someone to pray with you before you at the close of the service, we have folks that will meet you right down here at the front to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you. Go in grace. Thanks for being here today.